Welcome back to the Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast, where we aim to bring you the latest evidence and research to enable you to perform at your best, prevent injury, and recover well. The Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast is brought to you by Southern Suburbs Physiotherapy Centre. I'm Anthony Lance, physiotherapist, co-founder of SSPC, and your host for today. Thanks for tuning in to episode 24, where I get to chat to ultra-distance runner Donna Urquhart following her epic Coast to Kosciuszko 240-kilometre run in what actually ended up being diabolical running conditions, in fact, quite dangerous at times. And as if running the 240 kilometres wasn't enough, the COVID-enforced training restrictions and the torrential rain certainly made for an unforgettable experience for Donna and even more of a mental challenge than these races normally already are. So I thought it'd be great to get Donna back on our podcast for the second time, fresh from the race, and chat to her about her preparation and, more importantly, the race itself and how she managed to get through all those challenges to achieve an incredible result. And this time too, I've also got Donna's husband and chief crew member to join us to give us a first-hand experience of the challenges the support crew go through, because it's in events like these, there's no doubt that without the right crew, the odds are dramatically stacked against the athlete even finishing. So it'll be great to hear from Reese a bit about what happens behind the scenes. As usual, there's so much to talk about, so let's get straight into episode 24. Okay, it gives me great pleasure today to welcome back Donna Urquhart, elite ultra-distance runner, along today with her greatest supporter, assistant, motivator, and husband, Reese Newsom. Welcome to both of you. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having us. No worries. Uh, just quickly, Reese, of those roles, which which is your most important? Husband, of course. Yeah, I, I thought you'd answer that. That That's a good start. Um, look, it's a great opportunity today to hear not only from you, Donna, about your recent feats with Coast to Cozzy, but also get a, a real behind-the-scenes look at um, what your support crew do, which obviously Reese was um, one of the major people helping you along. It'd be really interesting to find out how how that works and the emotions and, and the planning. But you're the first person to be asked back twice, Donna, for our Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast, so that's pretty good. I'm, I'm honoured. Obviously, I, I uh, didn't do too badly the first time. Yeah, yeah, but no. Here we go, time two. So, look, it's been interesting times, obviously, and the last couple of years have been severely COVID hampered in all aspects of life. And certainly as, as an endurance runner, it's been really tough. But look, just as a quick recap, I won't go through everything that you've done in your life or will be here forever. But the last races actually were uh, until Coast to 
to COSI uh, 2019. So was Sydney 24-hour ultra run where you were the first female and second overall, completing 212 kilometres and um, getting yourself a spot on the Australian team, which also that year led into LB France, the IAU World 24-hour championships, uh, 207 kilometres, first Aussie female. Before that, 2018, the Asia Oceania Championships in Taiwan, running just a touch under 195 kilometres, eighth female. 2017, the Coburg 24-hour ultra run, running just under 204 kilometres, first female, second overall. And the other thing I thought I'd mention was that there was one other coast to Cozzy done uh, five years ago. So 240 kilometers, obviously, and fourth female in, in 35 hours. So obviously, there's a lot more than that. But that's a pretty impressive wrap of just the last few years pre-COVID. But as we get into talking about Coast to Cozzy this year and the 240-kilometre event, I want to talk to you about COVID first because it, it brings up an interesting logistical issue for an endurance athlete because it's not that long ago we had uh, a five-kilometre radius and we're only allowed out for an hour a day and we see cyclists doing random turns on beach road at their 5k loop and pool swimmers swimming in the bay and what is somebody who needs to run four hours at a time and tens and tens of kilometers do in COVID times? Well look I guess in Melbourne we've sort of had 18 months or almost going on two years with COVID um, I guess I was lucky in the first year in 2020 because I was really recovering from Albi um, and sort of really had set myself for the next six months or so just to take it easy. So um, it wasn't so much of a drama, but this year started to sort of pull the, the runners back on in, in March 2021, this year, uh, and, yeah, got on a program with with my coach and started to really pinpoint some events and those yeah those 5k limits were I certainly knew where I could run down to sort of Brighton Beach in Melbourne one way and to sort of Warrigal Road the other way Um, and I think I got a few strange looks along the way from people who sort of thought oh didn't I see you down there like (laughs) an hour or so ago but yeah certainly challenging but Look, I think amongst all the challenges people were going, you know, people were dealing with issues at work, losing their jobs. I sort of felt to some extent that was sort of something just to to deal with and, and move on from. There was lots of more serious things going on. So Yeah, sure. And yeah. I suppose too, um, like that's a very good point. Um, <laughs> but the the five K radius you can always, you know, do loops of, but how much did the hour limitation like that's obviously restricted you big time in your training yeah look it it certainly did in terms of the the long runs on a weekend like often with um endurance athletes weekends are the times for the long runs or the long rides um so that was a limitation but we really had a focus um this year leading up to Costa Cozzi on speed so um, it'll, you know, twice a week heading down to the ass track or the oval um, and doing a sort of interval or speed session, which is sort of an hour, maybe a bit more than an hour. So um, I was lucky in that way that I was able to 
to focus on that and it was a good chance to really improve my speed and efficiency running. And do you think that helped you? In, like, is that something you'll incorporate from here on? Maybe more speed and less distance brought on because of COVID necessity? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think um, there is the tendency for endurance athletes to fall into the trap just of just doing long, slow, lots of miles. And it makes sense if you run at a certain pace for a long time, all the time, that's the kind of the pace you can run Um, and if you want to get more efficient and faster and in fact even stronger um, the speed work really makes a difference and in fact I was speaking to my coach um, and he sort of checked in a few days after the event and said oh look how are you feeling and I said oh I've hardly got any doms at all hardly any soreness that feeling of getting off the couch or um, going up or downstairs it's not there at all um, and he said, look, I think that's a really good sign that your training was, you know, really on par. Yeah, so, okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, let's get into uh, Coast to Cozy this year. So, again, just for everybody listening as a bit of background, uh, Coast to Cozy is considered Australia's premier ultramarathon. It's an invitational event. So even just getting uh, an invite is an achievement. And then the next achievement is getting to the start line, given the training that you guys do. Um, And it's limited to 50 of the best ultra marathon runners in Australia. So it's a pretty prestigious event. Runs, it starts at sea level uh, at Boydtown Beach near Eden in southern New South Wales before ending a Long 240 kilometres later with a a long climb up Charlotte's Pass to Kosciuszko National Park, which is Australia's highest point. And runners have got 46 hours to complete 240 kilometres and and must get through designated checkpoints uh, in certain times to continue. So it's, it's obviously there's challenges along the way all the time. So can you give us, Donna, um, just to start with your, and we've been through the COVID restrictions, but if we sort of take that out of it, what can you give us an idea of your peak training weeks just before Coast to Cozzy? What sort of days and miles were you doing? Yeah, look, at it. Um, fluctuates leading up to it but to give you an idea of sort of a peak week and I would only have done a, two of these in the lead up um, and a peak week is really sort of highlighted by a really long run on a weekend and that was a six hour run of, of 60 kilometers so that was that would be on a Saturday and then on a Sunday it would follow by an hour and a half to two hour run on the Sunday Um, and then before in the week leading into that weekend there would be two speed sessions one on a Tuesday one on a Thursday one sort of shorter intervals and the the other one sort of longer intervals Um, and then possibly depending on how I was feeling and I can't quite remember back but Monday was often a rest day or either nothing, a walk or, um, or a light run. Um, and then Wednesday, Friday, small sort of runs of, of an hour. So that's, yeah, so it would total up to sort of 130, 140 kilometres for that week. Yeah, okay. It's an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? If you look at a marathon runner, they would 
in their peak weeks probably be around the low, maybe touching mid 30Ks, which is, you know, three quarters at least of the run you're going to do. But when you're running 240 kilometres, you can't do a 170 kilometre training run. So uh, that must be just such a hard unknown until you've done one or two. You know, you've done a 60K run and most people would think, wow, but, you know, you're still at a 180 more to do in the actual event. Yeah, and it's interesting, even though I've done Coast to Cozy before and it was it was five years ago, I remember finishing that last 60K training session and feeling really positive and really good that my nutrition went well, I felt good, my body held up, but I actually really questioned the mental side of things and my ability to be able to do that 240. And I actually got on chatting with, Andy my coach and I was like yeah it all went well the 60k was great but how am I going to do 240 (laughs) and he said oh you've forgotten what it's like like you'll you'll do it you'll just chip away and he went through a few things to think about out there and um, how to sort of get through it but yeah it doesn't take much to it's only a quarter of the way yeah Um, and so much can happen every event is different Let's look at the day this year, and you'd, you'd trained for, obviously, since March, you said, uh, with a few COVID restrictions along there, you ticked every box on the checklist, you controlled everything you could possibly control. The race was delayed, pushing it back towards our warmer summer months. Uh, what could possibly go wrong on the day? <laughs> Plenty. Plenty. In terms of weather, um, do you want to give us, uh, in fact, when I looked it up just before coming on, I think Sydney had over 40 millimetres of rain on that Friday and Saturday you race, and I'm sure where you were running was more than that. So do you want to um, just give us, a, either of you, a bit of a rundown of what you were what, what you were faced with? Um, I mean, you knew the day before it wasn't going to be good, but, uh, yeah, give us an idea of what it was like. Yeah, well, we, we actually kind of had an idea leading up. I think most crew and athletes are looking at even the, 14-day forecast leading into the event and and then the week before and it was always predicted to be um, cool and to be to be some rain but I don't think we realized um, like up until a few days before how wet it was actually going to be Um, but there was certainly talk amongst our crew and and my coach that we needed to prepare for wet weather and cold weather um, but at the same time, like Costa Cozzi can throw anything at you. The year before, they had 30 degrees right. during the event, during the day, and then they had freezing cold, wet conditions that night and, and the next day. So, yeah, it can throw anything at you. But we very much, Reese, um, doing outdoor, um, being outdoor with his work, um, he certainly had a lot of equipment and stuff that we could and clothing we could bring along which was really helpful but yeah essentially we woke up during the night the night before and it was pouring with rain and it rained most of the night Um, so we had visions that we'd be standing on the start line with umbrellas and pouring with rain we were lucky it was just drizzle okay Um, but essentially uh, Reese has probably got a better memory for it than I do but essentially it rained most of the event yeah. So, Reese, let's talk again leading up those last couple of days. What what changed mostly for you once you realised how awful it was going to be? Well, we went 
we didn't know it was going to be that that bad, but we made sure we took along um, extra clothing, uh, some thermals, and it's kind of hard for an athlete to run. It could be cold and they get hot, or it, it, sometimes their bodies just do different things. So mm. we made sure we took along a lot of extra clothing um, and, and uh, waterproof jackets. But, um, you know, as we went along, you realise waterproof jackets are great, but they still get, doesn't matter how waterproof they are, they still get wet and everything underneath gets wet. So we found quickly that throughout the whole night, we just had to have the um, heater in the car on the whole time up full. Yeah. And right. all the clothes and the footwell just drying. There was like a sauna in there just uh, drying 24-7 because then Donna would have to, swap clothes out every couple of hours yeah it was um very interesting and reese what what um as the race went on what what was your most important role do you reckon it it ended up being um just keeping um donald warm uh there was quite a few people who experienced runners that pulled out because they were just too cold and couldn't get warm so in the end it was just making sure she stayed warm Uh, obviously nutrition but Nutrition, as we'll probably talk about later, is a whole different story again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just keeping it warm and, and keeping her feet in good condition. Yeah. Okay. And whilst we're on that, I've got to say, is it particularly towards the end of the race when Donna, no doubt, was struggling uh, a bit for, you know, the cold and exhaustion and, Often when people are cold, you want to try and give them mental images of being warm. And you were walking alongside her in shorts. Do you reckon that could have been a little bit of an issue to her mental health? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I was quite warm. So I had a nice thick jacket on. and um, <laughs> You probably just come out of the nice, toasty, warm car, I suppose. The car was warm. No, but my pants actually were still wet. So I, I was changing my clothes and... Honestly, we got to a point where a lot of my clothes Donna was wearing because we were just trying to rotate her clothes so quickly. Um, my jacket, you know, and so on Donna had. So I didn't have a lot of clothes left myself. Right. Okay. All right. Well, next, when I was looking at the pictures along the way, I just kept thinking, will you put some trackies on because it was making, <laughs> I was under a doona and it was making me feel cold. So, well, sweet, you've touched on nutrition. So tell me what goes into nutrition. What do you eat? When do you eat it? Reese? how do you know? Is it all set beforehand? And what's the strategy with nutrition? We have, uh, Donna has all the food she's, she's tried and tested uh, throughout the years and years. And um, we have a very large bucket in the, back of the car that's full of food and generally Donna will have a list of exactly what she, she wants and we'll stick to that for usually for quite a, a lot of the start of the race but after a while and and all the athletes are the same when you speak to all the other um, helpers that they they all start to feel sick and, and they can't really palate anything. So it's just a matter of, okay, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And what stage is there a sort of stage that tends to come in for most of the runners? Look, I think it varies a bit, um, but it's interesting. I tend to experience it as the sun's going down and towards the evening and in the evening, um, which um, I think other runners do. Obviously, you're then getting further into the event. Um, and your body's under, been under stress for a long period of time, 
but it's interesting. I, I believe that Monash, they're actually looking at the effects of running and trying to take in food at night time because there's, there's a hypothesis that how your body works and the hormones and how it digests things is potentially different at night to during the day. But yeah, I find nighttime a lot more difficult. So do you change your, your food intake at night compared to day? Yeah, so my plan was to start with fairly simple sports-like foods to begin with. So um, I had sort of gel blocks, if you like, to begin with that are fairly easily broken down and then to shift more to normal food. Um, So I had a a six-hour point where I wanted to have an avocado wrap with salt um, and then shift to sort of more normal food. And then, as Reese said, often a lot of people find towards the end it's hard to get a lot of nutrition in. So shifting back almost to sort of drinks, Coke is really good, like caffeine and sugar towards the end of the event. Look, everyone's different, but that's... um, And it's something that um, requires quite a lot of experimentation along the way because you can't, like, I can can do a six-hour training session and tick that all off and go it worked beautifully but that doesn't tell you how you're going to be able to stomach that at 18 hours yeah and I presume that was logistical uh or it was an it was a logistical issue Reese, too because I I would think normally you'd hop out of the car and prepare food a little bit ahead but with the conditions did that change just you know not only the nutrition but I wouldn't have thought you were getting out of the car any more often than you absolutely had to yeah, it was, it was a bit like that, but you do have to, you're stopping all the time and, and saying, what do you need, what do you need? And I'd pull up a little bit further and um, so it was Barb, uh, one of Donna's friends and I, we'd um, take it in turns at getting out and running with Donna or I wasn't getting out of the car too much because it was, the rain was coming on an angle and it was, it dropped down to I think two degrees. Yeah, right. Before we even hit the hills. Luckily, you know, the hills, uh, sorry. It was hilly the whole way, but when I'm talking about Kosciuszko, um, the weather had warmed slightly by the right. morning. But during the night, it was it was absolutely freezing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, um, Donna, let's talk about that. Where, when, like I presume, at some stage you did start to really struggle, be it the cold or or the wet or just the environmental conditions, the slipperiness. I mean, I saw photos of you walking barefoot uh, through rivers that had, that had flooded over roads. Like, what, what did you find the toughest? Was it, was it the rain? Was it the cold? Or, or was it the environment you had to deal with? Look, I think there were, there were two low points. One was still during the day, and it was towards the afternoon of the first day, and I was feeling like I, was, I, was, I had a coat on, I was feeling warm at the time, but then all of a sudden within seconds, you know how you can feel warm and then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm, I'm cold. And, and by then I was really aware that the shorts that I was wearing were really wet and I, I had this sense of feeling cold. And when I've done adventure races previously, um, I've experienced that coldness, which then Luckily, I, I experienced the early stages of hypothermia, but were able to shift through that during the event. And so I was really quick to sort of 
get onto these guys and say, look, I need to change. So they got me into the car and we did a full strip down to where we could feel that I was dry. And luckily my T-shirt underneath was dry. So then we pulled off all the wet clothes and redressed me again. And then I headed off. Uh, it took me probably half a K to start to warm up again. But then I felt like, yep, I'm okay. So I felt like that was a bit of a turning point. So I think we, um, in hindsight, I was really lucky that Barb and Steve were really on to, oh, sorry, Barb and Ray, sorry. That's her other husband. <laughs> That's her other husband. <laughs> um, um, Barb and Reese were, um, were on to just drying everything, changing me regularly and when I needed to. Um, and just, I think, acting really quickly was, was important. You actually, she raced in a pair of thermal pants and long pants, which you, I bet you've never ran in them before ever. Yeah, right. And they, I, they did a real great job. Like they stayed on for, the rest of the race so that was oh, wow. three quarters of the race once it got she got cold that point at night they stayed on the whole way and they were great yeah okay um so what i presume um donna is the lead person in all this she's the one running 240ks and has a strategy but are there any points when reese you need to overrule her or think gee she's not thinking straight and i'll say yes but do no like is is there any time where there's a little bit of uh mini conflict in there uh, not really I, i've seen her do these i've been to all, almost all of, all of the ultras that I've done now and, and especially the 24 hour ones um because they're running around a 400 meter track i see it every two minutes yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> uh I've seen what she's like in, in certain situations, in the heat and the cold. She did, during the night, worry me a little bit, got very dizzy, and Barb was with her and had to kind of run almost holding on to it. Wow. Um, that was a nutrition thing, I think, because Donna had trouble getting any food in, and it was it does get frustrating because she trains all this way and, and tries all these things, and all of a sudden the things she's trained with, she can't. And then It doesn't work. Well, I, I couldn't tell you how many times they came back up. Straight yeah, back right. up and it's not their fault. Uh, <laughs> but you put all that work into that food. <laughs> um, were you ever, uh, speaking about being worried when she was dizzy, were you ever genuinely worried about her because of the conditions? Uh, no. We um, Once we realised that I was amazed at how quickly our car could could dry stuff if I had the heater going full on and how quickly we could change her out of wet gear and into dry gear. Um, I think the thermals were really good because they tend to keep the moisture, you know, they're wicked away a bit. So they kept it off her body and, um, you know, they lasted quite a while. Even though it rained heavily with a rain jacket, the thermals do quite a good job. So uh, we just um, change those out every now and then and, I wasn't too worried about, you know, she was aware that she was getting cold and we were constantly asking, are you cold, are you hot, are you this, are you that? And what about you, Donna? Like what was your lowest point in the race? Where did that happen? Yeah, it was when the moment that Reese was talking about where it was dark. I, I don't even know what time it was. I've sort of lost track, but um, 
it was dark, Barb was with me, um, and I earlier experienced a bit of nausea, and I was just trying to problem solve that. And one of the reasons you can experience nausea is that there's what's in your stomach is too concentrated, um, and so you're, you're not being able to digest that and shift that into your bloodstream. So I was working on the theory that I needed to get a bit of fluid down so water um, reduce that concentrate, stop the food for a bit and let all that settle. And I did that for an hour um, and it didn't ease the nausea. So we actually contacted, I said to Reese, can you contact Andy and see if he's got any thoughts on what we could do? Um, and he suggested to drink some sports drink. Well, not, not actually swallow it, but swill it round in your mouth because um, it basically tells your brain that you're getting some sugar um, you also get some through absorption in your, in your mouth um, but you're not actually getting more into your gut so we tried that for another hour um, and so I think that leading into that I hadn't had a lot for two hours and then um, I just went through a period where I felt really tired like I was walking along in the dark with, with Barb and I just wanted to close my eyes and for periods I was just I think I was just having little mini sleeps here and there and I just felt a bit wobbly like I was just you wouldn't have wanted to ask me to walk along a straight line for for a period but yeah look we worked through that and I came out the other end and it was interesting um, I felt really low then and like I didn't have much more in the tank and then one of the other females um, and her crew wandered past us and said hi how you going and we were like oh hi and then um Bob said it was like flicking a switch um and uh yeah I just um I was like I just want to hang on to the back of them and just see what happens if we can hold on to them and I that shifted it you don't like being second do you I, I, that leads into what fascinates me about the mental side of things it's interesting you talk about the even just the fatigue because you said you didn't sleep much the night before with the rain you're on the beach starting at 5 30 so probably up at what four-ish the what morning of, yeah so so fatigue set in but at these times other than being shattered and being overtaken by somebody um what do you where do you go what strategies do you use to try and get yourselves out of the depths of look I, I think I used it like a few, I thought back in time and I thought about like all the things that um, we'd sacrificed to to get to the start line like I, I thought about the fact that Barb and Reese had come up and spent five days away from all that they were doing their work and what have you I thought about my parents and Max at home I thought about the, the hours that I'd spent training and just that that want to to be able to convert that into to a really successful outcome that everyone could could enjoy and celebrate. So, yeah, wanting to to do it for those sacrifices, but also for those people that had supported supported me along the way, and then thinking forward that at the end of the race, I just wanted to feel like I'd done my best and laid it all out there and done all that I could and just had images of sitting on the bed back in the accommodation and just wanting to feel um, a sense of 
having done all I could and being proud of proud of that. And sometimes it's just simple as, and I think I wrote in a race report or Facebook post, just sometimes it's not that um, logical. Sometimes it's just I've just got to show up again and again and I've just got to keep being in, in the picture. Time to take a short break and mention Southern Suburbs Physiotherapy Centre who bring the Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast to you. Established for 24 years and with two great clinics in East Bentley and Parkdale, SSPC brings you everything you need to keep yourself in top shape, whether it's for sport, for chronic health or pain conditions, post-op or just to be your best in life. Our clinics have a number of very experienced physiotherapists, all with special interest areas that help cover any injury or condition you may need assessed. And working alongside our physios are podiatrists, massage and myotherapists, and dietitians, meaning you can access a multidisciplinary team care approach to your condition. SSPC also runs a busy schedule of classes, including Pilates, Glad Strength for Arthritis, Strength and Conditioning classes, and ACL Rehabilitation. Take a look at all our services and skills by typing in www.sspc.com.au. And finally, if you're enjoying our podcast, please don't forget to hit the follow button on our home site, and that will ensure you don't miss an episode. And it'd also be great if you have any comments or feedback to leave them also. But for now, let's get back to Donna and Reese. The terrain, like, was the the end of it was um, altered because of the conditions? Was Charlotte's Pass... It was things were so bad they had to change that. Yeah, smart move though by them, by the by them. Like because you know my in my job I I uh, have to go up in those areas and that's the time I go up to try and find people in those conditions. So yeah, right. Um, everyone was worried. I wasn't too worried. Um, I actually thought we might be able to overtake some people. And, yeah, because because I. But it was getting dangerous. Really. Oh yeah, you, you couldn't see, and there was um, up towards the peak. There's a, a bit of a um, a snow crossing, which in this time of the year with a bit of heat, bit of sun, bit of cold can turn to ice. And right, um, it's actually quite a yeah, and windy, and it's quite a long drop. Uh, I remember when Donna did it last time, I looked at it and went, Wow, this is quite dangerous uh, for people who are already dizzy and tired. And but yeah, it was a good call, they did they um stop people from going up. So let's get to the finish. You, you did your 240 kilometres in how many hours? Uh, 31. Okay. Oh, yeah, 31 hours. Five yes, years ago yeah. was 35. Is that right? Five and a half, yeah. So in those conditions, that's a fairly massive PB. Why? Uh, look, You're just hard. wiser or you, are you, did you train better or what? Like it's a massive improvement in time in diabolical conditions. Uh, look, two reasons come to mind. One... 2016 I was called up seven or eight weeks out I actually applied to get in um, and I wasn't accepted so I dropped my training right back down to running an hour or two on the weekends um, and then got the call from the race director oh Donna um, we've got a 
spot? Are you fit? Are you ready to go? And I just said yes. So, uh, <laughs> so seven or eight weeks out, I did two or three weekends of a big long run each weekend and that was it. So I think that was one of the reasons. And I think the other one was I've done um, a number of events since then and I think the experience of those events in the last five years makes a big difference. Reese, do you what what have you learnt over four or five years? What do you reckon you've changed the most from 2016 Coast to Cozzy to now? I'm probably a bit meaner. Yeah, I'm a bit a bit more blunt, I say, when I'm talking to Donna. You have to be in that when when um you know they're in that that mindset that they're tired and they can't think straight, you have to be very blunt. And I guess I've learnt that. You don't sugarcoat things. Um, if she wants to finish, you've got to be pretty pretty blunt sometimes. What about, Donna, you've touched on, well, you didn't really feel sore at all after the race, but like we've spoken about the mental side, but physically something must have suffered in that 48 to 72 hours afterwards. Uh, super fatigued. Yeah. Like just like monster, I call it monster fatigue, like just... Um, just whole body fatigue, like as in tired. Yeah. Um, but also just very lethargic, sort of not not a lot of energy, not thinking straight. Um, even I just remember speaking to people after the presentations, and everyone would hang around and chat. And you know how sometimes you can't get your words right. And yeah, um, yeah it was just it was um, more effort to do things just in general, which makes sense because we at least, miss, well, almost missed two nights of sleep yeah. plus that um, amount of activity for 31 hours. So, yeah. And you didn't yeah, didn't get her appetite back yeah. for a while. Like I was yeah, the, cooking her some of her favourite dumplings. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she couldn't eat them, didn't want them. So. Yeah. Did you lose a bit of weight? Yeah, I, I think I have. I, um, I think I've lost sort of a couple of kilos. Yeah. Over yeah. that time. Reese, you too, though, must have, like, you would have had no sleep and mentally uh, on the whole time, like, it must be so exhausting for you too. And you had to drive home. Uh, Donna had organised some friends to come this time and there's what they call the death march. So that's from um, Delgetti to Gindervine. Uh, it's just a long, straight, uh, quite undulating part of the run in the dark and her friends turned up and I said I'm going to go up to Jindabyne and try and get a couple hours sleep and that wasn't because I was tired at that point it's because I knew I had to drive home and it was a seven and a half hour drive home so I wanted to make sure we're safe driving home um, it was more just banking a bit of sleep I mean I'm used to through work going through the night and having to drive a bit um, yeah Second last question, I think. Um, looking back, would either of you change anything about what you did or how you manage things? Yeah, look, for me, um, one thing going forward that I want to work on more is um, sorting out my nutrition. Like I think that's one limiting factor for me at the moment. And if I can overcome that a bit more, I think it could have a huge effect on what I can do in, in future events. But do you uh, have to put yourself under that duress to truly know? Like you can't, you said you can't really, it's hard to train that because you're not putting yourself under that 
level of duress to test your nutrition? Yeah, look, it's more difficult. I guess you almost test it by doing events. Um, But I've certainly learned things from this event that I'll put into place next time around. Um, Just, you know, talking through it with my coach now, I think my intake of fluid quite right. So I'll be able to adjust that for next time. So that would be one thing that I will will change. Anyway, uh, what you both did and Barb was uh, obviously amazing to run it in 31 hours and and I think even just being through what what we've been through doesn't really do justice to how horrific the conditions were and Donna it was incredible I know we you know there are a lot of us watching on in in awe at what you did and what you got you got through and second female and 11th overall is um just testament to you know your mental and your physical toughness and your support crew um and um yeah a, a big well done and uh once you've had time to recover and probably let reese know in case he doesn't already what's what's next on the agenda well i think i've been telling you anthony about that last one standing so i've been so waiting to do there's multiple um last one standing events around australia like there's probably at least one in every state, if not two. Um, there's one coming up in February in Victoria, but that's quite close. Um, I've been had one in Queensland on the agenda for two years, but haven't been able to go for the last two years. So we'll see. Hopefully August next year. Rightio. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Said it was an amazing, um, it was an amazing race and an amazing end result. Uh, appreciate you both coming on and um, great to hear from you again, Donna. And Reese. It's, it's interesting to get the behind the scenes uh, look at it because I don't think people could do what they're doing um, without the without a great support crew. So um, well done to both of you. Thanks for joining us and um, might have to get you on for number three again, Donna, if you uh, keep this stuff up. Uh, and can I just say, Anthony, like, it is very much a team effort um, and it's it's also more than the support crew. Like Reese and I both appreciate your support and um, support from Southern Suburbs. Like, uh, as you know, I had a few niggles here and there leading into it and, um, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, really appreciated your advice and help leading into it and it all hung together. So body stayed strong. No worries. It was a pleasure to be involved. So, look, thanks again, guys. Appreciate you joining us and um, look forward to the next instalment. All right, Anthony. Thanks, Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, guys. Well, that's it for episode 24. Hope you enjoyed the experience, not only from the horse's mouth, so to say, but also from the perspective of the the behind-the-scenes crew. It's quite amazing what organisation goes into these events and it's not just the physical training. And even when you think you've ticked every box of preparation, the weather gods can still have their say. I'm sure you'll agree that Donna is one of the most mentally and physically tough athletes going around. Please remember to hit the follow button on our Perform, Prevent, Recover home site and we look forward to bringing you our next episode.